As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm now joined by JJ Bull the Bullet. Hello. Hello there, how are you? Good, forgot you keep calling me that. Well, that's your name. And of course, uh, also joining us is Sebastian Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Seb. Hello, Joe. Lovely job. So much football to discuss this weekend. Um, But first, let me say, if you are watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that these two strapping young men are wearing some delightful shirts. JJ, they're sporting the metronome. That, and for listeners, that is a lovely illustration of Andrea Pillo uh, with a kind of uh, automaton's body with a metronome in. And uh, uh, Seb is wearing the uh, the small badge version of the Terminator shirt, which is Erling Haaland as a Terminator. Now, these are part of the... Well, as the... As uh, the not well, a I mean, Terminator. Well, let's... I mean, to be honest, if we really want to dig down into the lore of the Terminator films, then anyone listening will know that there are many Terminators. Arnie was simply one that was sent back. And, of course, later, there was the one that could morph, Terminator 2, can't remember his name. He was scarier with his sword arm. Graham. Graham, the Terminator, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, in future episodes, there were different uh, Terminators. So do... Yeah, but early on, check out he's not just sci-fi a lore. Terminator. He is, in this instance, the Terminator. Fine, fine. It's well, contextual. Yes. Are there any friendly Terminators? Hmm? Are there any friendly? Arnie. Well, like with a Arnie's sense, a sense friendly of Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've not really seen Terminator, really. He has money to charity. You've never seen the film Terminator? No, I, th- I have, but I've always been... Fine. You know what? I think we should engender here a spirit at TIFO, where we don't make fun of people for not having seen films that they yeah. definitely should have seen. I have because, seen it, you know, I don't remember it. I've seen it so, a lot of times, but always under have. the influence of something. So then It's the worst it. thing when, you, when you're talking to people and then they say, what, you haven't heard that band yeah. or you haven't yeah. seen that film and then you feel small. Yeah. You know, it's fine. It is a good film, though. You should watch it oh, no, when I, you're awake. I've seen most of Terminator 2, but I don't fine. remember what happens. Fine, yeah. Anyway, uh, these shirts are from the literal <laughs> nickname series of TIFO merchandise. And you can visit uh, shop.tifofootball.com to check them out in greater detail and uh, probably purchase one for yourself, for your friends or family, or even... Send one to someone you don't know for fun. Just put a random address in there and say, uh, you know, random act of kindness. Money for me. Money for me, please. Money for me. A friendly Terminator would do that, I think. Arnie. Yeah, Arnie well, no, but a that. friendly Terminator, you know, just a, a random yeah, act Arnie, of kindness. Arnie is a friendly Terminator. I'm not going to do this again. Right. 
other things. There's so much to discuss today outside of Terminator. Uh, we've got uh, Liverpool and Man City. Very exciting. Chelsea with a bizarre, very bizarre home result to Brentford. Uh, who thought their month could have got stranger? Uh, also, uh, West Ham Everton, big news for Everton. We'll be talking about that. Man United and Leicester, Leicester City. Uh, this is, you know, probably not that much of a surprise, to be honest, but we'll, we'll come around there. Tottenham hammering Newcastle, maybe a bit lower down the bill than it should be, but Seb said it was boring. And of course, there was the Derby d'Italia that we'll talk about as well. And I believe Seb's going to chime in with a little bit from Barcelona Sevilla, a very important game for the La Liga season. So there's lots to cover today. And if you like coverage. That's the most straight one ever, isn't it? Yeah. If you like coverage, you should visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where you'll find some of the best coverage of football in the world. That's right. And at the moment, you can get a 30-day free trial to check it out for free for 30 days. The coverage of the World Cup draw was very, very excellent before the weekend. Yes, it was. It really was. I liked it. Me too. I got very... Oh, we didn't even put the World Cup draw in. Christ, we should talk about that as well. Fine, that's at the end. So uh, stick around to the end and we'll talk about the World Cup draw. How exciting. Well, I will leave you in the uh, the warm hands and the cool embrace of um, all of the football that's happened. Yes, uh, Liverpool 2, nil Watford, Burnley nil 2, Manchester City. Uh, would you believe it, JJ, I know you would, because you've been banging this drum for a while now. Uh, there's only one point in it. I think at some point, you know, a, a few months ago, Man City were 14 points ahead or, or something like that. Don't quote me on that, something like that. And now, of course, Liverpool head to the Etihad on the coming Sunday for the big face-off, all capital letters. It's a huge, huge, important game for the title. A title race that I wasn't certain was going to be happening eight weeks ago. Well, this is what happens when you draw a couple of games and the other team wins. It sure. closes that gap that you had. It wasn't. Yeah. I think it was because fourteen doesn't really matter what the gap was. It was. It was, it was nine, large ten, enough. Yeah. It was large enough that you. They've, they've, they've lost one game, right? And now it's back. Well, these are two. I think two of the best Premier League teams that I have ever seen. Sure. That I mean, they just are right. I mean, they're sure. both. Man City got the record points total of hundred or something, and then Liverpool one point off it when they didn't win the league behind them. Yeah. Basically, both teams are amazing. And there's a jump between the, the top two and the rest of the league at the moment. Mm. No one's can really close it down. I thought Chelsea would do better this season after the Champions League win. seemed to be going places, but the, the players they signed at Lukaku hasn't really worked. That would have been the thing that pushed them into that top three. Yeah, But that's what they missed out on. I mean, it just takes one of them to slip up. And it's always against a silly team like Man City playing against Crystal Palace or something like that. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where they always make a, an error and then Liverpool don't and they just build this momentum coming through. It's a bit different to previous years, isn't it? it like you say, it feels like... All all they have to do is lose, is drop two points. You're and then so suddenly, angry with your arms crossed. Well, I'm, I'm making a very serious point with yeah. my arms crossed. It, I think it felt like in previous years there was more, maybe this is wrong, but there was more of an opportunity, Seb, for a slip up. Whereas now it feels like if you make any mistake at all, you know, they're breathing down your neck. Yeah, I, I think so. It feels like that now. I mean, this is still a season when, amazingly, Man City lost home and away to Tottenham. That sure. feels very weird, sure. given how good they've been. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I think that's a trend over the last couple of years because if you if you look at fan reactions now, it used to be the case where, you know, you'd lose, have a bit of a meltdown. Now, if a team draws away from home, that's a little bit of a crisis. Sure. Which is kind of indicative of how 
how much jeopardy there now is fixture to fixture in the Premier League. You yeah. love a bit of jeopardy. Yeah. Do you know, just like throwing in a narrative, it doesn't need to be there, but it reminds me of these like great individual sportsmen or teams where um, they need like a direct rival to be able to be better. Yeah, like the Ronaldo Messi thing, absolutely. right? Or Senna and Prost, whatever. Like yeah, that sort of yeah, stuff yeah. where you have someone who drives you on. So Man City and Liverpool both make each other better. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So I was watching I was watching the Liverpool game and I don't really remember anything about the goals or any of the kind of context in which the game occurred, but there was a pass in this game from Thiago, which is just ridiculous. Kind of involuntary noise watching on home on TV. Mm. He received the ball in the first half, received the ball, I think, around halfway and just slid probably 30-yard, 35-yard ball in towards the penalty box like a knife. Ridiculous bit sure. of technique. Um, go and find that if it's not on the highlight reel. If it, it didn't lead to anything, so it might not be. But it's one of the best passes I've seen all season. Just yeah. such good technique. Just that really looks the opposite way when he's doing it. As exactly. Well. It's like yeah. a, it's like a no look reverse. Take seven different opposition players out of the play with one touch pass. It's uh, outrageous. A hot butter Watford pass. Sure is. Sure yeah. is. Very catchy, exciting. Catchy name. Hot butter Watford. Yeah. Good yeah. yeah. name for a band. Melting. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Well, anyway, it's a huge game uh, coming up on Sunday. I think we'll probably do some coverage of it on, uh, on Monday. You know what's uh, interesting you know, about those kind of games? Like, we, mm. every now and again, the Premier League throws up a sort of a, um, a bit of a face-off. And I remember 10, 15 years every ago. Every weekend, 10 times. No, but like, you know, what, what used to be termed <laughs> sure. like a Grand Slam Sunday. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. if you go back 15 years, you would be fairly safe in assuming those games are going to be absolutely unwatchable. Awful, yeah. like one nil. Remember the old sort of um, the 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 Chelsea uh, Liverpool games, the Mourinho Benitez games, yeah. which were just awful. For Dower everybody. is yeah, the word. Exactly that yeah. stale chess match, no opportunities. Man no United chances. Arsenal in the last four years has been a yeah. version of that. Yeah. Whereas Man United, it's almost like an inversion because mm. Man United Arsenal always used to be punching, spiteful yeah. and nasty, going all the way back to the early nineties. Actually, if there wasn't blood, there was ten goals. Exactly that. Yeah. So interesting. I'm actually looking forward to a big game because I okay. think it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Good. Exciting. Mm. Fine. We'll be covering that. Yes. Uh, Chelsea won for Brentford. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is a weird. One. I didn't watch this game, sir. Bit of an anomaly, would you say? Or I mean, what's what's happened? What's happening with Chelsea? I don't know what's happening with Chelsea, but I don't think I've ever seen Golo Kante chase the players much as he did in this game. Really? So Chelsea played in the back four to start with, and it was very chaotic between they the two They played in the back halves. four? Yeah, with Thiago and Have they Rudiger. been doing that at all recently? Or is this, uh, this a bit kind of... of uh, done it a couple of times over the, the few months, yeah. Mm. I would expect to see a back three against Real Madrid this week. But it was odd because going to this game, most people thought, right, well, Brentford are going to probably exist mainly on the counter-attack. Yeah. They did, and Buemo was very, very good, and Ericsson was excellent, all these kind of things. But the balance in Chelsea's midfield was wrong I think so Mount Loftus-Cheek Kante didn't really work there was something uh, askew there and Brentford were absolutely ruthless mm. and it's uh, one of my favourite bits of football all season was uh, the Brentford third goal right. it has a little third man run by Janelt and a perfect Ivan Tony pass through the kind of a slide rule pass puts Janelt through on goal and he sort of chips mm. over Edward Mendy I always think that um, whether I'm right or not, I always think whenever you see a well-executed uh, third-man run, you think that's a well-coached team because mm. it makes me think of Guardiola's Barcelona back yeah. in the day. But it's just a really, really good performance, and also uh, features Christian Eriksen's first goal for Brentford. There I we think, go. I think Mendy should have saved that. that <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Wasn't He's it? been off recently, yeah, by the way. Hasn't been the same since he got back from Afcon. Yeah, really. it's uh, weird. He's suddenly something. I think it was even just before Afcon. I think maybe. he just something changed where he maybe something didn't go where the way he thought it would. It's like his confidence has been dented or something. That was purely goal. subjective. Like, I can't tell this for sure. It was that. It was that um, cross shot West Ham goal by Masuaka. I think. 
at the City of London and he just kind of misjudged it and it went in at his near post. I think so much a goalkeeper must be just Weird. pure confidence yeah. and acting on instinct. Like and the memories. moment you like you double yeah. guess, you start second guess what you're thinking, um, it makes you not as... You just have to have blind faith in everything you're doing. Mm. And uh, maybe he's just the kind of guy who overthinks things and that's why he's doubting little bits and pieces. It's but, strange. It's also slightly ironic because his performance at Brentford for Chelsea was one of the best goalkeeping performances of the season. Do you remember when they just chucked everything? Adam, mm. long balls, direct, it's straight into the box, everything kind of just shelling the penalty box for a good hour and he stood up to everything. It was physical and reliable and just excellent goalkeeping. And um, yeah, there is something a little bit a little bit wrong. You, you should probably save the third goal too. It might be a little bit quicker off his line for the Ericsson goal. Really well taken mm. goal. Nice left-footed chip kind of finish high into the roof of the it's net. It's kind of hard to save that one though, isn't it? Ericsson on his own. No, but it's hard to save that, but he should like the opportunity for Ericsson because you know where the ball's going in that minute. Mm. Like, you know when it's coming across the penalty box, you, you can probably anticipate and it's just split seconds, isn't it? It's what you're saying. It's kind of, you lose a little bit of self-belief and that's how it shows. Ivan Tony. Yeah. Quick word on Ivan Tony because, yeah. you know, based on the form of some England strikers this mm-hmm. season, is there at all an outside shout here for, for a national team call-up? I think it should happen, but I don't think it will because wow. Tony's different. Like I don't necessarily think he's an international caliber goal scorer. Sure, but as a centre forward, he's he'll be very difficult to play against because he's physical yeah. and a direct threat. But he's also got this wonderful kind of velvet touch. He'll drop yeah. off the forward line a little bit in a way which is not hugely dissimilar to someone like Harry Kane. Sometimes they're not the same player. I understand, but. If you look at the other options England have, if something were to go wrong at the World Cup, so Calvert-Lewin, not really back to where he was under Ancelotti. No. Rashford, no. Who is your other centre-forward? Vardy retired. Sure. Um, Danny Ings, maybe, but hasn't had the greatest season for Villa. No. Ollie Watkins, good player. Ollie Watkins you know, started the other day, of course, he, in the friendly. He did, and he, he scored at the weekend, I think. But then you think, uh, don't know, don't know, because if, if Harry Kane was to get injured, and England were to start Ollie Watkins. It's a big noise. It's a big noise offset, which was very frightening. Sure, uh, sure. Quite frightening, not very frightening. Yeah. Anyway. Perhaps uh, that's how the England strikers feel with the performances of Ivan Tony. I think he's a kind of slightly big noise beat offset of yeah. football player. And I don't know, if you were to face Ivan Tony as someone that hasn't come up against him before, I think you'd struggle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? But I don't think it will happen. Sure. Okay. Well, one can dream. Yeah. Um, Rudiger taking a shot from about 35 yards is amazing, by the way. Did, did he score that? Yes, it right. flew into the top the corner. one Chelsea goal? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was scored from 35 yards. Yeah, he absolutely launches it. The technique as well, it, it, it doesn't hook it, but he puts his foot right through it and it carries into the top left corner. It's really like just great technique on the, on the shot. Yeah. I think it was a match of the day stat they put up, which is Chelsea's longest range goal since 2007. Wow. They just don't shoot... like. Uh, across, I did this article for Telegraph and Eastwood there, and it was about um, how teams shoot from distance far less than they ever did. It's the same sort of thing you get. Like in basketball, teams tend to shoot in the same sort of area now, and I think it's changed, so they always look for three-pointers now. Yeah, yeah. So that everything's three-pointers. Yeah, yeah, that's the meta. And uh, the same in football is uh, when you analyse it, you see the most valuable parts, like XG, is to get the ball into that six-yard area or mm. the width of the goal, basically, within the six-yard box yeah. in the middle of the pitch. So that's why everyone tries to work it there. There's a bit of Graham Potter <laughs> was quoted this week saying all the fans at Brighton are urging the players to shoot. And it's confusing the players who <laughs> orders are to not shoot. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to see a ball get pinged in 30 yards off of centre-back. You want to see that. I, I would also say, uh, as a supporter in a football stadium, I would rather see a shot sort of saved or hit the crossbar or just miss the post, you know, from 
25 yards, then I would see 100%. the play develop for another 100%. <laughs> 90 seconds and nothing happen. I get that. I understand why teams will do that. As you said, it's, a, yeah. it's about the probability of scoring from certain areas. And control of the match, yeah. So sure. you do that, you sort of... I enjoyed the... I mean, uh, when I, I went to... You'd like to, Scottish um, football in that case. You should watch sure, that. Sure, maybe yeah. I should check it out. Yeah. I went to Wembley the other day to watch the, the England Ivory Coast game. Did you get hit by a paper aeroplane? No, but I was obsessed with a number of paper aeroplanes. You really, really upset you that. I really think it's... Yeah, you didn't like know. that. I'm not, you know... Did you feel... Because you're a, a bigger person, did you feel... Exposed. Yeah. My head. Yeah. No, I was luckily I was sort of in a good area where there weren't many falling aeroplanes. Okay. But there were, I don't, if people don't know what we're talking about, there <laughs> most were most areas without literally hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of paper yeah. aeroplanes at this game. And I think I remember this, this video that went viral about five years ago. I don't know if it was a thing before or not. But it's it's almost a minute long, and it's a it's a plane that from the very top corner of a stadium sort of takes ages and glides down, and then finally hits a player in the head, and everyone cheers. Like the the whole corner of the stadium is captivated by this plane instead of by the football. Uh, and I don't know if that was a, something that inspired this to start, or if it was already a big thing. But I've never seen so many paper airplanes in my life. I, like, honestly, people must have been bringing in reams of paper to do this because uh, how could you? How, it's all children as well. One other quick thing on this game, right? Don't want to... Hmm. I never watched England play live before, right? In a friendly, particularly. Obviously, Harry Maguire got booed, right? Yeah. I heard the boo. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. I don't want to be a bad person, but when I looked around, the people I saw booing weren't real people. What were they? They were children. Don't count. Or yeah. they were just not real people for whatever reason. You know, they were just like people who I, I thought if, if they booed me, I'd think, well, yeah, you just look like a booer. You know, you look like someone who's going to boo. And then to see it sort of like taken seriously, I think how it, many, it how many people... for a good three days. Yeah, but yeah, seriously, yeah, how yeah, many yeah, people yeah. have to do something? It's the same as like news reports, like writing news well, social media off the back of social media. Exactly. So but this like is these what I people, think, yeah. they're not... I mean, obviously, they're real people. I understand children are real people, right? But they were children. The people throwing the paper aeroplanes and the people booing were honestly were teenagers in big gangs who, I don't know, were having fun. Great, that's fine. But are we honestly really going to, like, listen, if a big gang of teenagers sort of started to say, oh, you know, don't drink water anymore. Are we not going to drink water? Because why would we take it seriously? Well, it get picked up by certain like red top yeah. papers who would run it as a story. Like, um, yeah, but then it becomes a thing. Exactly. Like, the players respond to it. That Harry Maguire was booed is suddenly a big thing. Children are making noises with their mouths. That's how it works. This is how the news like, cycle of everything works. It is it's kind crazy. of amazing, though, that within hours of that game finishing, most of the England team that started that game were putting out their own posts yeah. on social, addressing the booing by the non-people. Right, by the yeah. non-people. Yeah, the children. Yeah. We don't let them vote. Why would we let them boo? <laughs> they don't know. They haven't worked it out yet. They haven't got old enough. See, like... I spoke to it you really the morning after me. this happened and you were you were semi-annoyed about it. If anything, over the last week, you've got more irritated by it. Well, it's more an aging process, isn't it? I'm, you know, what, I mean, five days. Nine days older than I was when yeah. we had this conversation. I think I remember exactly when I worked out that this is how you just shouldn't pay any attention to any of these sorts of people on Twitter or oh, any, right, right. anything. Yeah. Was when I was at the camp now, I was on holiday and I was doing a tour for like the third time. I don't know why I keep going there. It's yeah. so cool when you go up to the pitch. You've been on the tour three times. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's, that is weird. I really Twice, like maybe it. Maybe if you'd taken someone who you think would like it, but three times. Uh, I really like it. Did you go by yourself? Uh, no. And then anyway, so then I was <laughs> 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 so an So then I went to uh, there, there, and then the, in the museum bit of it, there's um, this like interactive thing where you can do like a quiz. Right. And one of the questions that came so up. You play it every time. No, that's the one time. Anyway, I'll take it through this, right? So. This, this quiz comes up, and one of the questions was, what was um, Jose Mourinho's job when Bobby Robson was manager? And yeah. the answer was a translator. That's what he was. Yeah. But the answer they had down was assistant manager. Oh. That's the only answer that was viable. And I was looking, because that's going to be wrong. I don't know why I had to get this right on an interactive sure. game designed for children. Well, And then some dick of a teenager was like over my shoulder going like, it just, he's pushed the button and went, assistant manager, like that. I was like, I hate you. Yeah. How long have I did? hate I you? Know they I have, think about they it have to grow up, right? It's not fair to hate them. But I do. Yeah, well, it's fine. Hey, so at, at Molyneux, they've got a really good museum, um, if you ever have time to, to go to it. But within it, alongside all the kind of the, the trinkets and the, the sort of memorabilia... What, what qualifies for having time I'm to about go to, to the Molyneux Well, no, no, I was there like, for a what game. What does that mean? If I, would, I live in London, I've got like a day. Uh, How much time I was do I there, I was there to cover a match there. Sure. And I was just there to cover a match. You were there to there cover again. a match there, yeah. And I had a couple of hours before kickoff, mm. and I thought, I will go and look at the museum. Yeah. In the museum, they've got a penalty simulator, <laughs> right. which allows you to take penalties against old Wolves goalkeepers of the past. Who are oh. actually there. Yeah, so <laughs> they just knock about. Yeah. Yeah. That's their job, salaried. £4 an hour. 21k a year. Go and use <laughs> yeah. the penalty simulator. It's great fun. I was there by myself. Did you score? Like a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I scored against Wayne Hennessy and Mike Stowell. Can't be uh, that good a simulator I, then, can it? Uh, I'm a yeah. good player. I've seen you kick a ball. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, children aren't real. But let's. Uh, what were we talking we're about before? Do, no, we've been quite self indulgent again. Talk about we? West Ham and Everton. Let's let's have a break before we do that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yes, West Ham 2 won Everton. Yeah. Everton are in trouble. Uh, Everton play Burnley at Turf Moor on Wednesday, which is now a huge game <laughs> because Everton could legitimately be, be relegated at this point. I think uh, we, we talked about their run-in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe horrifying it's it's a very very in fact JJ do you want to just while we're chatting get the run in up their their fixtures for the rest of the Premier League season it's very tough which is probably one of the main reasons why they're relegation candidates and there was only one game on it where I felt even semi-confident that they might win I think that might be Burnley no it wasn't Burnley there was one more after Burnley well the game's coming up they've got Burnley like you just said on Wednesday night and they're away then they've got uh, Man United at home it's pretty easy and Crystal Palace is postponed for some reason don't know why that is Uh, Leicester Liverpool, <laughs> good luck there. Palace is still in the uh, FA well, Cup. Pal- Palace is playing the FA Cup semi-final. Oh, right, okay. Well, yeah. Liverpool, Everton, I mean, maybe this kind of game they raise, but it's at Anfield, so they won't win that. Then they've got Chelsea at home, they won't win that. Leicester, 
Brentford maybe Arsenal final day of the season it could be a big game Arsenal yeah. Everton that's real because Arsenal will be pushing really for Champions run. League imagine that's having really to go game. to Everton uh, having to go to Arsenal away to survive yeah, on the last day, day of the season that's horrible this could be the case so anyway yeah. it's uh, it's tough times for, for Everton we did release a video the other day based on an athletic article about you know what would be what would be the, the cost of yeah. an Everton relegation um, quite quite serious the answer was a lot yeah yeah as a, as a result of their current financial situation right yeah so one of the things there is all the obvious bits about players uh, being devalued depreciating um, so being able unable to shift players high wage earners well the, what can I just say one of the interesting mainly, things yes. about it along these lines that, that I learned was that you know unlike clubs that expect relegation from the Premier League who probably mm-hmm. insert relegation release clauses in their players contracts Everton will not very likely have that in many cases and therefore the players or at least wage reduction clauses I should say so you have a, a striker who costs you 10 grand a week in the Premier League yeah. you put a clause in to reduce that to 3,000 pounds a week if you get relegated they will not have that with their players and the cost of wages for that team is very very high they're yeah. going to struggle in a they may also have relegation release clauses in place so sure. players like Richarlison might be suddenly worth 35 million rather than the 70s yeah, worth exactly. or something yeah, exactly. I think also their, their kit sponsor agreement with Kazoo is coming to an end this season yep. and there's a bit in that video about um, I think the value of kit sponsorship drops by about 80%. Yeah. It's amazing. Although also, it sounds like sponsors are probably going to wait and see what happens. Yeah, a few other issues there as well. Like so. no one, no sponsor in their right mind is currently going to enter into a deal based on them being in the Premier League when they may well not be. No, because you're not going to pay Premier League prices for Football League visibility. So yeah. uh, very, very sketchy time for Everton. They have a weak team just now as well. So injury list is pretty nuts. Tom Davies, Yerry Mina, Andros Townsend, he's properly out. He's got an ACL injury. Yeah, mm. uh, Fabian Delph. Just says unknown. His injury is early April. He's out till <laughs> Donny van de Beek doing really well there. He's injured now. Yeah. And then Nathan Patterson's at Rangers by the time. Also, he doesn't really yeah, play. Yeah. So they got those. But you look at the first 11 they put out and it just sounds weak. So that like John Joe Kenny's playing at right back. He wasn't very good news at Celtic. Awobi in central midfield was very Awobi, and it's his touch. It lets it go. That's He's one of the worst goals I've seen conceded all season. That, mm. that second West Ham goal. It's Jared Bono ends up scoring yeah. it, but it's the... It's the touch from a Wobi. It's a lack of awareness of situation. The one when Antonio is just onside. Yeah, because it, it's one bad touch from a Wobi. Nobody in Everton shirt reacts to it. And all that has to happen is a straight pass up the pitch. And Antonio is thrown goal. Should probably score with his first chance. But then Bowen's there. To but that, that's because Keane steps out. So the fullbacks are wide. So there's a massive gap in the middle because Godfrey's, I think he's the only one left on his own. And Michael Keane strides into midfield, and that's so he when takes the ball. He, he carries it and leaves the gap. Midfield, yeah. And that you think, okay, that's nice, progressive centre back play. Okay, but then a good team builds in a little bit of protection. Somebody else sees where he's going, drops into the space. For Everton, there's just there's just chasm. I of, think the rest of the Everton team would be higher up the pitch. So normally, when you carry it like that, it's because you need to just then get someone into the midfield to. Yeah to try and have a bit of ownership there. But the players are all quite bunched together, which is the weird thing. So then when he goes and leaves that gap, West Ham are just ready to to break into the hole that he leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they've been a team, the front, like Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are great players, but so much medium. And I think of the amount of money they've spent over the last while and to put out the team that they put out. And Mason Hall gets playing defensive midfield because Allen was suspended. Yeah, so they, sure. They, they've spent a lot of money. There's a lot of change managers. I mean, Benitez basically set this team up to be uh, relegation avoiders. Sure. When maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, but they must have spent all their money already. So ugh. I find I find um, Everton's game management, situation management is weird because that happens just after they've equalised. They're back in the game and you probably take a draw at West Ham. That's a good result for Frank Lampard. And yet you open yourselves up to a situation where 
okay, you're, you're facing Antonio, Jared Bowen, right? So these are good counter-attacking players, they're good direct, pacey players who like to play on the break. And this time before, I remember watching them at Spurs and in the first half, they played a ludicrously high line against Son Heung-min and like well, Harry Kane. Here's a question you, based on that you, then, right? Yeah. Frank, Frank Lampard, extremely successful player, played for an extraordinarily successful team, yes. right? A team that would always push for the goal if yep. needed because of the context. Is there a precedent, would you say, for managers, coaches who come from teams like that, who try to instill the same value at teams where the context is not the same? I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, like, that, that sounds like question. a very stupid thing when you say, I, I, I appreciate Frank Lampard knows the, the, the position that Everton are in better than the three of us do here. However, you know, it, it's difficult to, to uh, unearth uh, things like that that have been drilled into you over such a long time. His entire experience of playing football professionally was based on go and get the goal if you need it. Yeah. And and him as a player being the player that went to get the goal when it was needed, right? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. You drop him into a situation where actually you're right. Like Everton, if they take a draw at West Ham, that's not a bad result given their position in the, in the league table. Yeah. And yet Frank Lampard is there maybe saying, come on, let's, let's try and well, snatch this. I wonder also whether, like Frank Lampard spent a lot of his career playing in front of some of the best defences in Premier League history sure. and so his idea of what a, a midfield construction should look like and how a team should attack is probably based on that but I, I, I'd be surprised if it just seems such a stupid mistake mm. to make it, I, I don't know I, I'm I not sure if it's, just, if it's just a mindset that's difficult to escape from I wonder if he has that much control over the team at all like it just seems um, sure. it seems in that it, to we be don't in that, know no but it, it, it's not that's not necessarily a fraction of him it's just that he hasn't been there long enough for for the team to reflect his belief system, his personality, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have this kind of moment of chaos. Unfortunately, moment of chaos coincides with a very, very real relegation threat. Sure. Which is not ideal. No. Then, you know. It's also one of those situations, and uh, forgive me for speaking for, for football fans, but when a big team yeah. nears relegation, <laughs> we talked about this, yeah. there is something about it where people start to go, Ooh, that'd that be interesting. Be, that could be quite funny. That could be interesting. I wonder what. And to be, you know, there's a cruel part of me that would. I, I thought the other day, if Everton were relegated, they'll be on telly all the time, right? Because there's, you know, they'll be, they'll have Friday night games every yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'd watch them. I think I'd watch Everton in the Championship just to see how much they likely dominate the league. Uh, but there's 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 something strange about that, isn't there? Because I, I imagine I don't know how well shielded the Everton players are from you know from the general public, but uh, I feel like the general public, the troll, the imp of the perverse in the general public, does kind of want them to go down. I think this has always been the way. Like I think um, it's not specific to them. No, it's not about Everton. It's just that there's a novelty in seeing a very big club in a in the football league. So it was the same with Villa. It wasn't quite the same with Newcastle because that was a little mm. bit of a different situation. Have Everton ever been out of the top, no, top flight? Of, only never. Everton and Arsenal have never been relegated. Wow. Yeah. The so. ones who could challenge them for it, like Watford below them, Burnley have two have the same number of games Everton have played, so they're both in 28, but Burnley are four points below and their team's really weak, but they're very well organised and at that sort of stage of the season... specialists at escaping relegation. Yeah, and they play for set pieces yeah. and they'll they'll get some scrappy 1-0s, 0-0s out of that and they might be okay. Watford look at their looked really like, well organised against Liverpool and were working hard and that might be the kind of thing where they can scrap enough to get. So I don't think they've got the players for it. But. So here's, here's a, Burnley's uh, fixture list upcoming. I mean, there's an argument to say it's significantly easier. There are teams that might be scrapping as well. Obviously, they play Everton. They are away to Norwich. Uh, they are away to West Ham. They're at home to Southampton. They're at home to Wolves. 
They're away to Watford. They're at home to Aston Villa. They're away to Tottenham uh, on the penultimate game. And then they're at home to Newcastle on the final game of the season, right? That's Burnley. That's Burnley. Right. That is easier than Everton's run in. Yeah. Like significantly, yeah. significantly easier. Like half of these teams are safe from relegation, mid table, maybe nothing to fight for. You know, Southampton was it Southampton Wolves this weekend. It was 1 1, you know. Southampton sure. Leeds, 1 1. Southampton Leeds, yeah. yeah. I mean, Tot- Tottenham, of course, the penultimate game of the season for Burnley, they'll, they'll still be pushing for top four, you would have thought by then. Newcastle, I imagine, will be safe by that point. I mean, there's a lot of games in there that you can see Burnley getting points from. I also think the situation for Everton is a lot tougher just generally because you've got a lot of high reputation players there. Yeah. I know some of them have come on big transfers and wages and aren't great decisions, but they are household names in the way that Burnley's players aren't. Sure. And also, I think if you're if you're someone like Richarlison or Dominic Cavalier and Jordan Pickford, maybe Richarlison, Richarlison, like a dinosaur. That would have been an excellent nickname, Richarlison, Richarlison, West Country Richarlison. I think it is only natural that suddenly, you know, you get to April, May, relegation looks likely. Agents start talking to you and saying, "Yeah, do you want to be there, Richarlison?" I've got T-Rex arms. I think it was uh, it like a Pokemon now. Yeah, like Charmander. Go! Rishalasaur! <laughs> uh, wild Rishalasaur has appeared. Anyway, that's Rishalasaur and Everton uh, a bit screwed, aren't they? Well, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting you, to cover. There's a note here which just says Mason Holgate sock holes. Well, Mason Holgate sock holes. I was very interested by this. Yeah. Mason Holgate sock We've lost JJ to the powers of chaos. Uh, Mason Holgate sock holes. I bring this up purely because uh, w- watching the game... And then, a, a, you know, a medical man, a medicine man, runs on with a health a, person, a, health okay, person, okay. a Brazilian health person, runs on <laughs> with some scissors and just starts sort of chopping away yeah. in socks. So you've got kind of like a polka dot sock skin thing happening afterwards, you know, kind of cool. And I, I, I didn't understand, so I tweeted it. Many contradictory answers came back to me. Lots of people saying it's for circulation, which didn't really make that much sense to me. And then other people saying, well, that doesn't make sense either because pressure socks are there to increase circulation. Mm. So if you cut holes in them, then you are decreasing circulation. I don't know what this is about. I know the answer. Kyle Walker do, used do, to do it. Do you know yeah. the answer? It's speed holes makes them run faster. <laughs> speed holes. <laughs> okay. Well, I said, I, I, uh, this is the first ever you know, live commission. Mm. But I commission you mm-hmm. to find out and make a TIFO video about it because I think a TIFO video about holy socks, very, yeah. very interesting. What is the stuff. title of this video, do we think? We'll work it out later. Don't let them see the whole process no, the, because right, they'll be horrified right. by how cynical it is. I am on it. Um, well, let's have another break and then we'll be back. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, Manchester United won. Won Leicester. Man United were quite poor in this game, Seb, weren't they? A little bit fortunate to get the result that they did. Uh, yeah, I, I was fine with the second Leicester goal being disallowed, but I thought that McTominay should have probably been sent off for that tackle on Madison. I, it's extraordinary that he wasn't. It's sure. a terrible tackle. Uh, but yeah, uh, clumsy and disjointed. Nothing seemed to work properly. Fred played very well, I thought. Yeah. He was pretty good, but Again. he was being asked to do a lot more than he should have been. Sure. He was the entire midfield at times. It's funny though, isn't is, it? You move him like five metres further up the pitch and all yeah. of a sudden he's a world beast. Well, he's contributing everywhere and obviously yeah. uh, deservedly scored the equaliser. But the uh, the false nine didn't work with Bruno Fernandes. Had a couple of nice moments, but he's not built to play that position, really. No. Seemed a bit strange. Just signed a new contract as Just well. Just signed a very, very lucrative new contract. Hey, but... Or oh, one, is it an additional year and then a new contract? I yeah. think so, yeah. Sure. Um, so, uh, also, Leicester were very good. Yeah. I really like Leicester. I thought that um, had they had um, a little bit more of a direct threat at the top of the pitch to go with Kelechi and Nacho, they'd have probably won the game. But... Um, sure. Dewsbury Hall, Barnes, Madison, that all worked really nicely behind him. And given they were without Wilfred and Didi, I thought they were excellent in midfield. Yeah. And Palace Mendy. Was, Where's Vardy? Is he injured? Uh, I guess so. He did not play. Yeah. Um, but obviously, indeed, he's gone for the season too. Yeah. Um, and Daka came on at the end, but right at the end. and uh, Which was strange to me because I felt like, uh, you know, put Daka's pace up against Maguire um, and Varane and he might have and had... let the children boo. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the non-people boo. But... Uh, yeah, United were... God, it's a mess. Cool. It is a mess. Like, it just doesn't... It's kind of sad watching Jaden Sancho at the moment. I thought yeah. he was looked yeah. really lost. Uh, Alango, I've liked, I like Alango. I think he's a good player, but it didn't play well. Pogba kind of just strolled around and had some nice touches, but... Replaced by Matic at about 80 minutes. Yeah, that is... That's like a, that's like a, an yeah. anti-CV moment. Sure. Uh, it was not yeah. great. Uh, Matic played all right, actually. Yeah. With Stretchy when he came on, yeah. It's funny, Matic has been okay yeah. in recent games. Yeah. I can see Fernandez being a problem for United in the next few years. Sure. I think when you pay... So he's now paid third best at the yeah. club. So it's behind De Gea and Ronaldo, yeah. I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, So his best seasons for United was when he was... So the first thing is, is I don't think he's one of the best players in the world. No. I think he's outside the top he's 15, He's a very 20. good player. He's just not outstanding. Exactly, right? Yeah. So he's not the absolute top tier, which is when you should be paying the top tier wages for that sort of player. When he was best is when everything else was organised around him being the loose cannon. So he was able to do whatever he wants to do. So when he's there and on form, they play and often they win because he would score or assist mm. or, or drive would the team. drag them to points. Exactly. But what you need is the whole team as a unit to sort of work. And I never see him being that good or functional within a team that is... Uh, within system. any system I don't think he would work I mean I may, I may be totally wrong and people think I'm wrong here but he wouldn't get in the Liverpool team I don't know where you'd play him maybe as sure. a false nine possibly yeah. but he w wouldn't work in the same way that like Firmino or Jota does well let me put it this way yeah. to you then right it, it seems at the moment like the two most likely candidates for the United job are Pochettino or Ten Hag mm. Does he fit in either of those sorts of... I mean, with Pochettino, there's an argument to say that maybe he does. Pochettino often Ten Hag would play, he plays a 4-3-3, but he, he often looks like a 4-2-3-1, so he could sure. play as a 10 in there. But again, it's very... Uh, Ten Hag, like the managers he's often compared to, like Guardiola and stuff, very highly structured. Sure. There's not a lot of free-flowingness. There's not a lot of room for improvisation other than in the absolute final third. Mm. And I agree with what Rangnick's saying in his post-match, saying that they need more aggression, more physicality. They're missing this sort of dynamism. I think when you saw it in the Champions League with maybe, was it Real or Barca? Was it Barca get torn apart by Bayern or something like that? And you can mm. see the difference between the two in, the, in that game. It was that Bayern were like powerful and yeah. like just yeah. had momentum and energy and just that. This is bigger, just bigger lads sure. all over the pitch. 
and uh, United, I think, are missing that. They don't really have the dynamism. Players like Pogba, um, who is it that? Uh, no, I'm taking a different game actually. There's certain players in that team that just don't go into challenges. McTominay does, but yeah. <laughs> he gets away with a lot of that sort sure. of stuff. But they're missing. It's not just about like going and fouling people. It's about being kind of hard. They're missing Luke Shaw. Competitive. I, I, I know. I don't, I don't want to put their poor performances all down to Luke Shaw being injured. But uh, Alex Sellers is just not the same player. Oh, Luke, Luke Shaw is yeah. that is one of the driving forces. We came up at half time here, didn't he? Because he's something wrong with his. At least it's to do, to do, do with his old sure. injury with his leg. Yeah. So just with what JJ, JJ is saying about kind of presence and physicality, I watched um, Barcelona on Sunday night and Arojo, the uh, the centre half, like he would tackle and take the ball, but with a kind of this dismissive physicality. Mm. That's what United don't have. This kind of a ferocity. Um, yeah, really, because it's a there's a there's an added value to tackling like that, to being a good technical tackler, but also sure. having that that sort of how dare you try and dribble past me or how yeah. dare you compete for the ball with me. And United have that nowhere, really. Sure. Um, That's a bit of steel. They need players who are dicks. Yeah. Sure. Like yeah, you yeah, need yeah. the players who are are really not like the ones that you don't want to play against but you like having in your team. That's sort sure. of like, like Roy. But, Keane, I mean Fernandez is kind of like that. Yeah. I in think Fernandez is just a bit I think he crosses he, not crosses the line, but he's he's a bit moany uh, yeah. in a way that isn't necessarily helpful because mm -hmm. it's kind of you hear some of the things he says. He was quoted over the weekend about saying, "Oh, United's level have, has to rise." Like yours too, mate. Sure. I mean, you, you were quite good a couple of years ago, and a year before that, you were brilliant for long periods. But someone on, on Twitter, I think Tim Stillman at Stilberto, said he's kind of a set piece player in a way at times, in the way that he wasn't under Solskjaer when he was kind of um, a missing piece, like a little synapse between the different Man United departments. Now he's, um, you don't notice him very often apart from mm. when he's complaining about whatever. I don't know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have given him a new contract. I was kind of, it's an we don't lose him for free, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you keep him where you don't and you have to pay the money and you, know, you can afford it. So therefore his value is probably worth what they're paying him. But he should be, the tier below the absolute top again, like Varane would be the sort of players you build around. And if you're talking about the, f the missing ferocity, then Varane next to someone who is more aggressive, like what he was next to Ramos, who is aggressive. Mm. That's what you get. You don't get that from Harry Maguire. You notice that um, Rennick switched the centre backs as well, yeah. playing Harry Maguire on the right. Why did he do that? I think. I think it's he, he. Well, he said it's because he saw him do it or saw him play for England and thought he'd be better in that position. Yeah. It just changes the angle of where you can pass I mean, it. It is his natural position, the the centre back right spot. I mean, like that's where always he played. plays on the left. So no, no, this is the thing. Like that's where he played for Maguire. Um, yeah, for Maguire. That's where he played at Leicester. It's his, it's, it's apparently it is his natural position. He's played on the left at United because previously it's felt that the other centre backs. Oh, haven't I had thought the I read in Cox's piece this morning that. that he's mostly on the. I mean, he is mostly. I mean, he's, he has literally only played on the left for ages now. Uh, but I, I think it's more to do with him being seen as the better of a partnership and therefore, given that neither player is as comfortable on the left as the right, yeah. and Maguire there, it makes complete sense. Lynn Varane looked a bit out of sorts playing on the left because sure. he's always on the yeah. he's always on the right. I don't... It's a, a little bit of a kind of a proper football manism. But when Paul Pogba said a couple of weeks ago, oh, our season's dead, I thought, that's kind of a weird thing to say because I know United are a little bit behind in the race for top four, but it's three points, isn't it? It's not... Three points and a... And two games. Yeah, it I is. Mean, I think but you can I see if you look at. Over. No, I don't think so because you, you're fighting with Arsenal, who've got a really difficult run in. Spurs, who you can't really depend upon, and United have the players whereby they don't have to play well to, to win games. If you get Ronaldo back fit, you're probably going to get another seven or eight goals. Let's look at it now. It's kind of a weird thing because Champions League qualification for United is super important, and yet it's been, oh, we're not going to win the Champions League or the Premier League, so therefore our season is over. I think but the expectation is that Arsenal on current form probably win those two games in hand, right? At which point the gap is nine. Yeah, it is. But then stranger things have happened, and this is a young Arsenal team, 
The gap is six. I'm sorry. Well, but it's a, it's a young Arsenal team who have no experience of this situation. Yes. And on current form, absolutely, they should walk it. But if you're Man United and you you, you also you got to play Arsenal. Yeah. Um, it's what about a, West Ham? Uh, I think West Ham have got their attention on the Europa League. Sure. Um, and rightly so. They've got um, they are uh, they've had an excellent Europa League campaign. It's not out severe, so fair enough. Yeah. No. Um, I'm curious to see uh, Manchester United's fixture run in. Let's look at this. Let's well, of course, Everton comes at the weekend. That's funny. Uh, Norwich, that'll be fun. Uh, oh, they've got Liverpool, and then they've got Arsenal. This is May United, is it? Yeah. You're right. Then it's uh, then it's Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, and Palace. So they're still to play so that's Arsenal, pretty Liverpool, and Chelsea. But if you have if you have a team that you're fighting with on your fixture list, that's kind of enough at this point to keep your season alive, and not kind of oh, we're just waiting for the summer now. It's like well, no, because Champions League qualification versus being in the Europa League or worse is two very different things for Man United. Sure. Um, so it's just weird. It, it just maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it, they just look like a team that are bored of the season. No, I, I, think I, a, I think I would agree with that. It's um, let's uh, spiriting. Let's have a quick look at Arsenal's run, and you said it was tough. It's uh, I'm curious to hear it. So, uh, of course, there's Palace this evening. Yeah, they're um, playing before we release. So. so we don't know the result no. of that. They are at home to Brighton, away to Southampton, away to Chelsea, then at home to United. That's two tough fixes in a row. Then away to West Ham. That's mm. tough. Home to Leeds, away to Newcastle, home to Everton. That's a little bit hard. They've also got to go to Spurs on a rearranged fixture. On a rearranged that's fixture. That's a Lane, yeah. which is, we think at the moment, latest news in the Premier League is that is in the penultimate week of the season. Oh, so, yeah, that very could be a bit exciting. Of a, bit of a showdown. That would that be one. a... Do you think they do that because they know it's going to be a big game? Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I'm, I like it. I yeah. like that. It'll be a TV game. A TV right. game. Yeah. Okay, fine. Speaking of uh, Tottenham, five, one Newcastle. Nothing hugely interesting you've written here, Seb. I mean, yeah. that's quite interesting to me. Well, it was a good performance. It was a strange... I watched point. some of the first half. First half kind of boring. Yes, it was. It was that's very what stale possession-y. Also, Newcastle didn't seem like the second place team in that first half. The second place... You know, is in the team that was going to lose 5-1. Oh, I see. Yeah, no. Um, that was a weird way of phrasing that. Was it? That was Did you understand what I was saying? I knew what you meant. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, right. don't, I don't want to side with you, but yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to. Um, yeah. Interesting points. Uh, Don and I, when we came to the office this morning, we were talking about... Producer uh, Don. Producer Don, yeah. Rodrigo Bentancourt, and him being excellent to watch. And it's amazing how much difference having uh, lots of technical ability in that position makes. Mm. All of a sudden, you can play out from the back without that. Well, that position being central midfield. Central midfield, anchor role there, really. Um, Bentoncourt happily receives the ball anywhere because he's good enough in possession to, he's press resistant, I guess. Great passer of the ball. All of a sudden, um, the terror of playing out from the back has gone, which is very interesting and mm. very novel. Uh, also, um, Dan Byrne had an absolute meltdown in this game. He had really? a brilliant first half an hour, played very well. And he's been very good since he moved from Brighton. But then uh, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, was probably complicit in conceding uh, goal two, uh, Tottenham goal two, and Tottenham goal five. Started blowing kisses at Lucas Moura. Uh, started trying to wind up Tottenham players. Blowing kisses. Yeah, it's a very weird moment. He, what, he, as in? Yeah. So basically, uh, there was a moment where uh, Tottenham were trying to break on a counter. And he sort of uh, shoulder charged Emerson Royale to the ground. It wasn't such a bad tackle. Sure. But he was on a yellow card and he probably could have had two or three in the second half. Don't know how he said in the pitch. But then he just, he kind of lost himself a little bit and started jostling with Tottenham players. And yeah, positionally, we were saying if you're six or seven, 
you don't get away with much in the kind of out of no. position sense sure. because people spot you. You're six foot seven. You get away with other things. Yeah, but he um yeah you don't get mugged. Often. You probably don't get mugged. No, no one attacks no. you. People assume you things. Are, you know, you're big. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had a, a pretty bad afternoon. Okay, um, but well, it was uh, yeah. Sorry to hear it. Three points for Tottenham, which is good. But um, yeah, three points and five goals. Great. Arsenal play Palace tonight, as we've said. Hey, so interestingly, uh, I badgered you into watching Juventus Inter Milan last night. You, you really very much did. I wasn't you, uh, going to watch it. At one it. point you said there's only a 60% chance that I'm going to watch it. And it was, to be honest, it was lower than that when I told and you. And you were lying. Yeah, you were it was using, about 15. That was your, your lying text on WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, sure. But what did you find? I, I'm glad I watched it. Were you indeed? Yeah. I'm glad I watched it. Of course, it was uh, Juventus nil, one Inter. Very interesting game. The Derby d'Italia, I've learned that it is called, yeah? Big game, for some reason. I don't know why. Here's a few things that I learned about the game. Are you both ready for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Vlavic, yeah, looks like a player who played for Bayern Munich in the 1980s. <laughs> that's, that's his look, yeah? Not such a funny comment, just a real observation, yeah? You know, with the lovely hair, but I can see him in those, in those baggy shirts. Can you... Name another player that played for Bayern Munich in the 1980s. No, but I know what they look like. I know what they look like. Miroslav Klose's dad. How about that? Yeah? I don't know. I wasn't alive. Tell you what, Rabio. Rabio had a really good... What the, okay, take, big, big takeaways from this game before I just list all the things I noticed. <laughs> Juve were really good. I saw some people... I, I listened to James Horncastle on the, on the broadcast saying... Your friend, James. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, best yeah, friends. Yeah. Um, saying this is maybe the best performance of Juventus that he's seen for all season, right? They were unfortunate to lose the game, I think. Right. The penalty incident was absolutely bizarre. The only goal came from a penalty. And if you didn't watch it, I'll just recount it for you now. Very strange. Okay, here we go. It was a bit of a contentious decision anyway, the initial foul. It's the sort of one I think is now given in the VAR era. You wouldn't be surprised if it, if it wasn't given. So obviously fans were, were, were very upset. It was Dumfries. He stood on a little a little bit. Penalty. Fine, fine, fine. Hakan uh, Chalhanlu steps up, looked extremely nervous. You know, big stadium, scary fans. Chesney makes a lovely save. It wasn't a very good penalty. And uh, Chalhanlu goes for the follow-up, scores the goal, but the referee blows the whistle because there were, honestly, there were about seven players on top of it when it went in. And it looked like there must have been a foul. On the, who? On a Juventus defender? On, on Chesney. Oh, like, so okay. the referee blows as if Chalhanlu uh, has fouled Ches- Chesney. They go to VAR. There is no foul, right? So obviously it is just a goal. And why the referee blows the whistle, I have no idea other than like big bundle of players. It looks like a foul. Referees always do this. Right. It, it looks like a foul. It looks like it's going to be something. It's a, maybe they think 80% chance I'll be right. I'll blow the whistle, whatever. Yeah. Go to VAR. They, there is no foul. So the goal should be given. However, what they notice is that what I, I didn't even, so many things happen. I didn't manage to get the name of the player, but a, a Juventus defender infringes on the 18 yard box when the penalty is taken, right? Um. So instead of just giving the goal because the referee's clearly blown the whistle for a foul he thinks is against Juventus, he uses, I think, uses that as the reason that he out. blew the whistle to, as a get-out-of-jail-free card to force them to take the penalty again, which they do and Chalhanalu scores. Did the player who was caught encroaching, did he have an influence on the players? I think developed? it was De Ligt. Um, no. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, of course, he probably did because he will, have, he will have been one of the first to arrive at the at the big okay. kerfuffle. But the weird, the weird thing about it, I think, is if you've blown the whistle thinking Juve have been infringed, 
uh, have, have, sorry, have had a foul against them and therefore the goal shouldn't stand, to then force the penalty to be taken again, yeah. very strange thing. If it's a punishment for Juve, then why don't you just let the goal stand and the referee should just admit that he was wrong to blow the whistle. At least that's the that's the, the, the implication I get. Um, incidentally, this all happened about 50 minutes into the first half, of which there was maybe eight minutes added time. Just after the first 45, there were a few injuries, lots of yellow cards. lots. Of, I mean, it was a feisty, feisty game. And uh, so Matthias de Ligt was caught doing a bit of cheating in the second half. What did you make of that? This was, the, 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 I mean, the very end of the... When he collapsed. As when he collapsed, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't remember who it was. Juve had been pushing very hard. I felt a bit bad for them. I, th- I Honestly, they were probably the better team on the night. Worth saying, Inter Milan defended spectacularly well. And I think the commentators at the time said, this has the look of a Juve team of the past 10 years who's about to win the title, defending a scrappy game, 1-0 win. That's what Inter appeared to be. High praise. High praise. They they appeared as champions. It was essentially the praise. De Ligt takes a little finger in the eye, you know, flops over. I mean, obviously he didn't, he he wouldn't have caused a a grown adult person to fall over. Um, But at 92 minutes in a game where you probably feel like you should have won, you might still be pissed off about a contentious penalty decision anyway. And on a different night, you know, it's a 50-50 game. Okay. I can, I, I can understand trying to buy it a bit. It, it, I, I also think because he's a big centre-back, he's inevitably going to get sillier. worse. Stu- it you know. does. It, it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But Bonucci did this loads in the game. Yeah. And it's. I was trying to work out how to say it. I couldn't work out eventually the right way of framing this. But basically, he's just too big to pretend. Like, there's. I don't believe him ever. Not because I think he's a liar, but because when I look at him... He just looks like a statue made out of titanium he looks or something. Like being carved out of a metal. If I yeah. punched him in the face, I would expect every bone in my hand to break. Yes, yes, yes. And so the idea that he's hurt by anything just seems <laughs> ridiculous. And in, in, even in the case where he is legitimately fouled, I still don't believe him <laughs> because he's Benucci. Ah. But it was a lovely game. And I mean, the fun thing about it is that, the well, at the beginning of the game, the Serie A title race, wide open. Why, in a way, I had not expected Juve, Juve uh, for most of the season, very far behind. It looked for a while like they weren't even going to finish in the top four, right? At the beginning of this game, if they'd won, they would have been within three points of, uh, of first-placed AC Milan, who incidentally play Bologna tonight, so we don't, don't know the outcome of that as mm-hmm. we are speaking. But this was a, an enormous win for Inter, and I think the first away win at Juve in almost a decade is a very rare thing to have happened. So it would have taken a, you know an, an odd game to, to get there. From Juventus' perspective, so I watched Sampdoria Roma, number one one nil, and they're on. A, I think that was their eleventh unbeaten game in a row. So they're still an outsider, but they could potentially snatch that fourth Champions League spot from Juventus sure. if yeah. Juventus continue to. No, they're closing in. Yeah, but no, I Roma think they're pretty think, good. You know, actually, over overall. Both teams played very well. Juve were fantastic and just happened to lose the game. Inter had a performance that looked like looked like champions, really. If AC Milan beat Bologna tonight, they'll be top of the league again. Uh, a friend of mine who is a supporter says that they will inevitably cock it up as they get towards the end. And also, uh, you know, perhaps the, the squad isn't um, isn't the strength of, of, of some of the others. But a fascinating uh, uh, title challenge. Napoli also in there, we should say. Napoli were second uh, uh, over the weekend. So, you know, exciting. I think I believe they beat Atalanta. Interesting. So there was um, Roma are going to play Napoli in two weeks' time. Big game. And, uh, a big game. But anyway, towards the end of Roma's game in Sampdoria, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini was taken off as a injury time substitute. Mm. Uh, and he, on his way off the pitch, he removed his shin pads, untied his boots, uh, readjusted his socks, and got a very, very obvious yellow card, 
Which happens to mean that he will miss the Salernitana game now, <laughs> not the Napoli one. That's worked out quite well, quite, quite nicely for him. Uh, that is funny. Yeah, that is funny. That is Jose Mourinho's captain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also worth just a little, one more little thing to give you a, a taste of this game. Uh, Locatelli was subbed off after 30 minutes after having been kicked in the head and then later in the midriff. <laughs> this was the game we were playing. I mean, I think his eye was like, his forehead looked to be like swelling up over his oh, eye. God. Uh, but uh, this was the type of game that it was, a very, f- a very feisty affair. And was it feisty, Seb, uh, to Barcelona 1-0 Sevilla? Also, very important game for the La Liga title race. Very. I, I feel like I've been doing lots and lots and lots of talking. Did JJ watch Barcelona Sevilla? I think it's unlikely. I didn't watch it, no, but I have seen, obviously, Pedri's goal. Cause Is it nice? I love that guy. Oh, I haven't seen it. He's one of your favourite players. Honestly, I think he's one of the best players in the world. What did he do? Like, genuinely. Um, he, I think that's the thing you've said more to me than any other thing. I said one of the best best young players. Like He oh. will be one of the best players. I think oh. he already is. Sure. Like, he's oh. astonishingly good, mm. Like regardless of age. Sure. Uh, so Barcelona always play with these wide wingers. The, the goal comes from, I think it's a set piece, and the winger, uh, puts it, I think it's Dembele in the right, puts it back into the middle. Pedri's on the edge of the box next to someone else. Uh, pretends to shoot on his left, takes about three players out, puts it onto his right, pretends to shoot, takes another like five players out, he'll just fall down like it's a dominoes. And then he uh, takes another stride for the third time, doesn't fake it, and just plants in the bottom corner to like settle it. Nice. He's Everything he does is amazing, but then that's obviously him scoring a goal that wins the game, but everything he does in every game is... Well, big player for perfect. a big game. 100%. Also, this was close for a while. Like Barcelona were probably in the ascendancy for most of it, but Sevilla had a couple of really good spells. I've never heard anyone say that sentence outside of Pro Evo in real life. Barcelona were in the it. ascendancy. Someone Raised in the ascendancy. It. I don't know. Peter Brack says it quite a lot. You know, fair enough. <sighs> if, you, if you go with Brack, I don't really like it. Gonna, exactly. You yeah. know, just showing my roots and my age, unfortunately. Have you seen the La Liga table before Xavi took over? Yeah. And where, so it was after now. 11 games they were sitting in ninth place on 16 points and now they are second and could legit make, well I mean they're a bit far behind Real they're, they've got a game in hand and they're what's it 12 points behind so it's not going to happen but. I, I was legitimately impressed by Barcelona I felt like Sevilla coming to this game had only conceded 19 goals in La Liga and that's in like 30 games yeah so quite incredible isn't really, it really really good defensive team they're stubborn as hell yeah um, but Barcelona when they were good they were all over them like Dembele against Rekic uh, on the right Rekic's really a centre half not a full back mm. and it showed Dembele was excellent uh, Pedro is brilliant, as JJ said. Uh, Aubameyang, a bit quiet, but like Barcelona, the patterns of their play, the patterns of their build-up were really good. They looked like they were on the cusp of creating a goal all the way through the game. And They're looking was, sharp, aren't they? They're looking sharp, but it's also the most fun I've had watching Barcelona in a really long time. Mm. At the beginning of the season, during the kind of what we'll call the Luke the Young months, it wasn't so much fun watching Barcelona. It was a little bit like, eh, kind of might do my council tax, whatever. But this was uh, this was really impressive. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What do you have to do with your council tax? Mine's just a direct debit. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, the thing is... is and is, once a year they send me a letter saying, this is how much you'll have to pay me over the next year, I me mean, being the council. Behind the curtain there, you've caught me out in a little... I mean, I use council tax as a kind of a proxy for something boring, and you've kind of exploded that. Illusion. I think you meant taxes, but you said council, and then yeah. it's too... Because it's easy to pivot and no, just ignore it, yeah. but you've highlighted it now. The cadence in the enough. sentence wasn't quite right with just yeah. income tax. I don't have to... It just... You know, you do that once a year. Interesting. You know, uh, what I should say is like, I should have, I, I, instead of watching Barcelona. I just wondered if there was some kind of special German tax that you had to you do. Have to make, um, you have to make pension Instead of paying money, you have to go and do a thing as you your do, tax, your you penance. To, no, you have to, well, you don't have to go and do a thing. Like, you don't have to go and like pick up a, you know. Pick a, up litter. And a million can or something. Look after a cat. No. Pick up a penguin. Pick, pick up, up a penguin, penguin today. Hey. No, but basically 
Luke de Jong was not a lot of fun when he played for Barcelona. Sure. Well done for butchering that. <laughs> well, no, I just, it's good to know. It's good to understand where we are. Luke okay. de Jong, not as much fun as having a direct debit with your council tax that you oh. never have to think about ever. <laughs> not as much fun as that. That's good to know. Severe, interesting, Severe, haven't won a game in five now, according to the league table. Four draws in a row and then a loss to Barcelona. They were second lost three for, games for all season. Including, mm. like, that's the third defeat of the season. Wow. Very impressive. I feel like they were up there. They're still fourth place. Injury difficulties. They've got sure. a problem with scoring goals. Okay. Anti Martial's not working there, really. He had an okay game, but he just. I don't think I've ever seen anyone look as miserable playing professional football as Anthony Martial does. <laughs> no, sure. I it. agree. He just hates it. Well, maybe he does, or maybe that's just his face, you know? It might just be his face, but then. If you, um, if you saw me on the tube, if I wasn't wearing a mask. People. You're not, no, I, I would say Look at this. there's a menace to you. No, that's grumpy. That's not the same. That's not hate. No, no, it's, it's not hate. Martial doesn't look like he has hate. He just, he really does no, not like No, I football. refused, I refused that one. He, not uh, allowed. He is not going to be a severe player next season. I no, think. I think, well, that's probably unlikely, but, uh, you know, still. Uh, but yeah, they need goals. I wish, uh, I wish luck to the boy. Yes, yes, of course. But uh, uh, severe need goals. Uh, and Nesri came back uh, off the bench, but... Uh, Refn Mir as well, he's there, but um, they need a couple more, you know, a 20 goal a season player and they'd have, um, they'd have competed for the title. But sure. Alas. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, fine. Well, I'm just trying to find the uh, the World Cup draw, but uh, it turns out it's impossible to find. So. I wonder if I can remember it off the top of my head. Here we go. I've got it now. Uh, thank goodness that you're not going to have to remember it, JJ. Group A. I, I could though. All right, fine. Tell me Group A. Qatar. Qatar, yes. I mean, they are the hosts. Yeah. And Ecuador. They, yeah. Yes, Ecuador. Um, Netherlands. Yes. And Senegal. Are you Christ. cheating? Somehow? No, no, I'm not. You're genuinely not cheating. I, I don't have, I've got the legal table on this thing. We should cheating. also say, of course, uh, as the Netherlands have been brought up, uh, terribly sad news about Louis van Gaal announced Rishem over the weekend. all the best. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. What a fun guy. Love Louis yeah. van Gaal. Yeah. Do, do recover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is Group A. Well done. Very successful. Uh, group B... England. Yes. Islamic Republic of Iran. Sure. That's a strange, strange way of saying it. <laughs> I just, sure, yeah. I'll just remember it. Uh, United States fine. of America. Iran is fine. And then, well, I'll say Iran. Uh, United States of America. And then one of Ukraine, Wales or Scotland. Yes. In, in your heart of hearts. Mm. Who is that third team? Probably Wales. Team I did a joke tweet about England. England against Iran, right? England are not as good as... I think a lot of English fans think. And Iran are better than English fans. No, no. Think. But what, what, so England have some of the best players in the world, right? They do. Sure. But well, they play very conservative. Out. And what I can see happening in this group, and I'll be dead wrong, but this yeah. is what I see happening, is that Iran will be really defensive, very yeah. hard to break down, sure. and England don't put enough players forward to be able to, to break them down, and sure. they don't win, they draw. I can tell you what's going to happen right? in this group. Are you ready to There'll hear what's going to happen? There'll be a mistake against group? America. No, 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 no. And America will be pumped I up. I will not let you continue. And they will draw. Have you forgotten what happened to us during the Euros? So you so felt like we weren't allowed to say bad things. Here's what's going to happen. Doesn't England, remember Joe fell at me properly. Gonna, yeah, sure. You're absolutely right. Iran yeah. will play defensively. Iran are a very, very, very good team. Should not be underestimated. England will win that game 1-0. England will beat the United States of America 5-0. Come at me, America. <laughs> I don't care. I'm getting I'm got hot fever. I'm getting fever. I'm excited. It. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Now, explain to me what's happening. Uh, Ukraine and Scotland, the game has not been re, uh, re-booked. No, there's no... Um, I think... It's someone, I can't remember who it is, wants that, that to be then postponed further to June. Mm-hmm. It, sure. I think it's already been postponed to May and it'll be pushed further. I mean, it, So there's the little semi-final and then there's the final of qualification. Wales. Wales. Yeah. It'll be Wales there. playing one of Scotland or Ukraine. Yeah, it's at Hamden, so you, uh, Ukraine will win. Okay, so 
I can't accept. I can't have hope because the times I've done no, it, no, it leads to disappointment. Ukraine, so. a, Ukraine, a good team as well. Ukraine should beat Scotland and Wales. Yeah, well, I think Scotland. That's uh, true. Yeah, I'm, John McGinn. Well, yeah. There we go. <laughs> so then, let me say. Let me say, as a man who lived in Wales for seven years, and you did. Yeah. When we I first met, you were living in Wales. Su- would support Wales. I enjoy Wales to perform well. I mm. do. And their Euros. Was it Euros that they went so far in? Was it? It was the Euros. Semi-finals. Semi-final Euros. What yeah. a what a story that was. That was great. Loved it. Gareth Al, Bale, bring me home. Let's Al do Robson it. Al now selling crypto. I think. Really? Yeah. Good really, to know. Really into it. Yeah. Good to know. Okay, uh, Group C. This is going to run on a little bit, but you just—I uh, mean, if you can, if you think you can, Argentina. Yes, that, I mean, if you, if it helps you in the future, I can give you the first team. No, I can. I, can, I think I can do it all. How Ar- are you doing? I this? don't know. I, I'm terrible at remembering anything apart from weirdly this because I remember all the flags being lovely colors and yeah. switch stick. Fine. All I like about things is colors. I've Argentina. Argentina, Mexico. Yes. <laughs> Argentina, Mexico is classic World Cup. That feels very it's World Cupish. That's um, absolutely great. That I one. am now struggling for who this next well, one is. Well, I can so. give you some clues. I don't want you. And now in the point where I wanted you to fail initially, and now I don't want you to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, how about this? Think of, think of great cuisine. No, no, don't do that. That's very, very confusing. That's absolutely not the right thing. Think of vodka. Uh, Poland? Yes, Poland. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, of course, the most famous thing about Poland is vodka. And is it an African team, the final one? Well, no, but not far from North Africa, just to the east there, in the Gulf. The largest country oh, of the, the Gulf. Oh, it's the United Emirates? No, no. No, no that's, a t- that's a pretty small one. The big one that covers almost the entire Gulf. <laughs> Lots of oil. But, uh, so, so, okay, we're, what we're learning I here is know. that JJ can remember things okay, but he doesn't know just yeah. basic facts. If you what tell him a lot it? about the thing that you need him to name. Well, uh, this, this country. Saudi Arabia. Yes, yeah, there we go. I forgot they were in nice. it. Yeah, that's okay. the nice green one with all the bits. So yeah. just to recap, because that was a long one. Argentina, <laughs> Mexico, Poland and Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Lovely. That's a fun group, that is. That's a real fun group. Group mm. D begins with... What's the boring one? It's France. It's France. Denmark. Yes. Mm. Um, there's another team that they keep playing each other, which is an African team, isn't it? It is a North African team, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Algeria? Are they in it? No, Tunisia. Tunisia, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Tunisia. Yeah. And, and then one of uh, either the UAE, Australia, or Peru. Quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, group E, uh, I don't know why we're reading through this. I mean, we were only doing it because you could guess, but do you want, do you want to try C. with Group E? It's um, a big one. Big Two big teams in here. Oh, Spain, Germany. Oh, yes. Yeah. That'll be great. That will be great. Be um, Arsene Wenger managed here for some time. <laughs> Japan. Yes. Yeah. And also one of... Um, Never mind. It's always it's always a risk when you go to country related jokes. Costa Rica versus New Zealand is mm. the, will be the you know the, that's the that's the uh, the playoff there. Uh, Group F, of course. I can't. Is it Brazil now we're on to? No, this is Belgium's group. Oh, do you know what? I can't remember this now. Let's just do it properly. Yes. Well, uh, Belgium Belgium will be in a group with uh, Morocco, Croatia, and Canada. Yeah, very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing Canada play. Have uh, some uh, Canadian family who will be supporting Canada. And Group G is Brazil's group. Uh, Brazil are in that group with uh, with Switzerland, Serbia, and Cameroon. Switzerland-Serbia is a game. Yes, it is a game. Yes. Yes, it is a game. Group H, Portugal, Uruguay, South Korea, and Ghana. I'm quite excited. I can see Portugal getting knocked out of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm already really excited for this World Cup. Yeah. Can I just say... <laughs> 
Can I just say, uh, um, funny? Th- it's a funny thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing because this World Cup has obviously been probably the most talked about mm-hmm. for 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 many years now, uh, for all the uh, the very obvious reasons reasons that uh, Tifo is covered alongside lots of other you know. We'll continue to cover as well. We'll We've continue got some, to cover uh, illustrated stuff coming out on that. Major media outlets, lots of discussions of sports washing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think as part of a part of the coverage. Uh, discussion around what is sports squashing? How does it work? When is it most effective? Yeah, all of that just pales when I see the World Cup draw. Is my point. Like I imagine people all around the world will be feeling the same way. I see the they draw. Knew it as well. That's entirely the point. I didn't expect it beforehand, and then as soon as I saw the groups, I just felt excited, That's and it was almost as if all of the th- all of the reasons I know to be true yep. of why this shouldn't be happening, and of why we should be skeptical of it, and all of the coverage that the Seb said we will continue to do. And, and personally, I will make sure I'm more focused on because of how I feel now. Just disappeared for a few minutes as I, as I felt only excitement and joy. Well, anyway, I say that as, you know, semi-lighthearted, mostly serious point. That's how it works. It's right there, right there. And yeah. I, me as Important someone who for it. So yeah, we spent like four or five years yeah. covering it in depth. Being excruciatingly aware of all of the, all of the, the, the even the minor elements of this. And then the draw is released and, and all I feel, I'm floating but, on a cloud with World Cup joy. But this is the point though, isn't it? But it's because you have this and you have the discussion, what, we've had you know, 10 years of discussion about this. Yeah. And then there's a little voice in your head who thinks, yeah, but my reward for that is to enjoy a World Cup, sure. which is the pinnacle of the sport that you love. Yeah. And yet the way tournaments are hosted, the way sport is run, gives you this kind of moral quandary between the thing you love and the thing that you know is right. And yeah. that's the entire point of it. Yeah. Um, which is a horrible, horrible realisation, but it is what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's also an odd one because of our position here. Our job is to cover it, right? And I feel happy about that as well as feeling sad about yeah, because it. Because we know that we can cover both sides of it. And we know we yes. have faith in our ability to do that and to do it right and fairly. And we will do both of those things. But we will, um, we will give due attention to every aspect. There we go. That was a weird... JJ, say something funny. Make a noise, make a noise. (laughs) (laughs) We've got it on camera. He does do weird things. (laughs) That's the end. This is a long podcast, but I feel like there was lots to get through today. Uh, JJ Bull, the bullet. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Sebastian Stafford Ball. Sebastian Stafford Ball. That just came around. That really was just an accident. Thanks as usual to uh, producer Don today. Yes. And uh, also producer Adonis and or whichever poor freelancer is editing today's episode. Hello, freelancer. Well done for getting this far. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. And we will be back uh, next week with uh, much of the same. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs>